Old powers waken, shadows stir, an age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us, an age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Nights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with the juice to get you through the long night. And we're back with another episode of the Obsidian Nights podcast, where we go through A Song of Ice and Fire, chapter by chapter. And we are almost through the first book. We have about nine chapters left. But today I will be covering Cat. I will be covering Catelyn. 10. This is the Whispering Woods, and I have my special guest. Do I call you K2 Cav? You can call me K2, yeah. And I have K2, that's a drug. And I have my special yes. <laughs> I have my special guest, K2, not the drug. <laughs> to some, they might consider me a drug. I can oh, be very addicting. Can I nice. say hello? Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Oh yeah, so we covered Cat 3 a while ago. We actually just uh, did the math. It's been a year mm-hmm. and glad to have you back and we're going to be talking Cat 10 and Cat 10 is a very interesting chapter. It takes place in the Whispering Wood. The woods were full of whispers. Moonlight winked on the tumbling waters of the stream below as it wound its rocky way along the floor of the valley. Beneath the trees, warhorses wickered softly and pawed at the moist, leafy ground while men made nervous jests in hushed voices. Now and again, she heard the chink of spears, the faint metallic slither of chainmail, but even those sounds were muffled. So... First of all, I love how this chapter opens up. The woods were full of whispers because it's like, okay, what is whispering? The trees or the people that she's with? Mm -hmm. Is she talking about the the trees or is she talking about the people? Because it's just like a few chapters back, Bran talks about hearing the trees whispering or or osha is telling brand like you don't hear them you don't hear the old gods and i don't know if there's any weirwoods in the whispering wood there's Mm. never any described Mm -mm. no i think it is the people but i think that he makes those connections beautifully like this um to me this chapter for those people listening who don't reread the actual chapters along with you this is one of those chapters to go back and reread because it just reads like a poem. But I do think it's from everyone in their stations talking to each other, waiting yeah. for them to lure Jamie into the trap. Yeah. So Hallis Mullen is there and he tells Kat, like, you know, it's not going to be long. <laughs> Shouldn't be long now. Um, and he like, so Hallis Mullen asks, asks for the honor of protecting Lady Catelyn. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, is that really, like, is that an honor? Like, you're asking to stay safely behind, I feel mm. like. 
Interesting. I don't know. I think he thinks it, he thinks it is. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> not. Maybe he's a coward. I know he's very Captain Obvious, but I don't know. It's it's kind of the way that like she describes it as it's his right, like it's mm-hmm. his right as a captain of guard to to stay behind with her, like mm-hmm. it's a like it's a reward. Which it to me it is a reward because if it was me, I'd choose to want to be back there with her too. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in the front lines at all. <laughs> no, no, I I don't know. That's a really good question. Are there any other incidences in the books that make it feel like? Like he's a crazy coward. Yeah, but it's healthy <laughs> to do that. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's me being nitpicky. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a bit of a ding dong, so I can see. Right? Yes. It's easy to pick on him. Yes. So um, basically, the the men stay behind. It's like thirty men stay behind with Cat in case if 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 Rob loses, then they'll take her safely back to Winterfell. I guess. Or they'll try. They'll try, I guess. I guess they would flee with her, yeah, because I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kat, so one of the interesting things to me about this chapter is the description, like Catelyn being there and just the description of what she hears and what she sees and I don't know. That's like, to me, this is one of those, it's not a long chapter. I think it's only like 13 pages. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really, I feel like it's really done well as far as George is concerned, like the writing, Mm -hmm. the descript, like the description, like, I feel like it's kind of like an experience. Absolutely. It's what it's a, it is an absolutely beautifully written chapter. And he, I think he does treat Catelyn's chapters with a bit of favoritism like he writes a lot of her stuff very beautifully and this is possibly one of the better the better ones when it just comes to like I had said earlier that it's a bit like a poem and I think what's interesting about this chapter too when you compare it to the last chapter um and forgive me if I repeat anything as I haven't been able to listen to your last your last cast but it, it aligns beautifully with the Tyrion chapter at the Green Fork and mm-hmm. when you juxtapose how Catelyn is with Rob to how Tywin is with Tyrion, mm-hmm. these chapters should could almost be, you could have almost done them as one cast like, next to each other. Because yeah. they are, it, they're the exact opposites. Like <laughs> with, <laughs> sp- how, how they treat their sons. <laughs> how they, how they, yeah. How they treat them in war, how they care for them, how, you know, it, it, it's anyway, but I think the writing similarly, I didn't mean to jump ahead a bit, but the writing similarly, I think is also very different and it's, it's brutal in it the is. other chapter, whereas this is like this kind of peaceful reflection. Mm-hmm. It's, it's told through the eyes of a woman. He like, he actually tells it quite differently. Yeah. And it's to me, like when I was reading it back, one of the things that like jumped out at me was dang, like, she's in a position where like she's thinking of her father like she's thinking of Hoster Tully and like the whole wait for me cat thing where he goes off and to war and comes back or goes off different places and comes back and she's waiting for him and and not only this like she doesn't know like if Edmure's alive her father 
is dying. She doesn't know if Rob, her firstborn son is going to die. Like, and like she, to me, she doesn't seem like, of course there's some fear in, in cat, but she doesn't really seem that fearful. Like, she's not not panicked. Yeah. She's not panicked. She's, she's cool. She's cool. It's kind of like um, a resignation. Like she, she's just a realist. Like, this is where I am. This is what's going on. This Mm -hmm. is the next battle in the war and we're either going to make it or we're not, but it's almost like her life flashes before her eyes as she has these memories. Maybe that's how she calms herself. Mm -hmm. Um, Thinking of him as a baby and, I, you know, I don't know. I think I would be in a complete state of panic, <laughs> but she, <laughs> she's a better woman than I am. I think at time. Yeah. I, I think she's kind of thinking about like, how, like to me, it's like, okay, I waited for my dad. He didn't always come when he said he was going to come, but he always came. And then that, that like doubt kind of creeps in when she thinks about Brandon start Mm -hmm. like Brandon saying you know wait for me we'll get married when I return but then on the day of her wedding it was his brother Mm -hmm. that she married and not him because he was dead and then all the memories of their wedding and them making Rob and Rob's birth uh, all of this all of this while there's a war going on and like (laughs) The, the Robert's Rebellion is going on during all this time. And it's like, and then she's like, now I'm waiting for Rob. It says, and now it was Rob that she waited for. Wait, mm-hmm. and now it was for Rob that she waited for Rob and for Jamie Lannister, the gilded knight who men said had never learned to wait at all. The Kingslayer is restless and quick to anger, her uncle Brendan had told Rob. And he had wagered their lives and their best hope of victory on the truth of what he said. If Rob was frightened, he gave no sign of it. Catelyn watched her son as he moved along the men, as he moved among the men, touching one on the shoulder, sharing a jest with another, helping a third to gentle and anxious horse. His armor clinked softly when he moved, only his head was bare. Catelyn watched a breeze stir his auburn hair so like her own, and wondered when her son had grown so big, 15 and near as tall as she was. Let him grow taller, she asked the gods. <laughs> let, uh. him, let him know 16 and 20 and 50. Let him grow as tall as his father. Uh, it's so sad. <laughs> like when you know what's going to ultimately happen, it's so sad. But even though this chapter, the Starks are, of course, victor- victorious, mm-hmm. it's still it, it it comes at a great cost and it's still not worth it in the end <laughs> no but you do read this your first time you're like this is so great they're gonna win the battle and win the war and live happily ever after it's yeah. so hard <laughs> when you realize how this is all just foreshadowing for his, his death and their yeah. ultimate yeah. loss and hers Really, but yeah. What I think is interesting about that passage, I had highlighted it too. And one of the things that, you know, because Rob's not a POV, so he's in a way not a main character, despite the fact that he's really a gravitational pull of so much of this book. Mm -hmm. Um, But we really love Rob as a character for the most part. We know that yes, he makes mistakes and et cetera, but we love him. And it's because we know him 
through the eyes of his mother and mm-hmm. yes, Bran and Ned, but just the way we see um, him through her eyes, if this had been reversed, right? And, and we, we also were, were quick to, to judge Kat a lot because we see her in her monologue. She blames herself for so much. We blame her for so much. But if it were reversed and we had Rob's inner monologue and all of his doubt and all of his, <laughs> we'd be like, God, that Rob's just an immature kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because his, his mom, one of the things that we talked about actually in um, Cat 3 was it's the, it's the, um, um, it's the cat spa chapter and she's a mess. She's in grief. And at the end she says, and this chapter reminded me of this passage, but Catelyn remembered the way she'd been before and she was ashamed. She had let them down, her children, her husband, her house. It would not happen again. She would show these Northerners how strong a tully of River Run could be. And in my opinion, it doesn't happen again. I think she does wear that, like her external armor. I think she very much um, puts on this show, right? She puts on a smile. There's, I think you may even read it, that she, she smiles um, despite the fact that she's, she's bummed inside. or, and she's a little nervous inside, but I think that um, we get all of this about Kat and we just don't get it from Rob. Yeah. We just don't know. Like he, he breaks a little to her um, in certain chapters and he, but it's just, it would be so fantastic if we had gotten a, one or two of Rob's POVs. A, li- a little more to what you were saying about her saying like, um, she's never going to get like this again, or like how she was, where she was ashamed of how she, how broken down she was Mm -hmm. um she says it like when she's rob tells her you know i'm gonna walk down the line and i'm gonna like let these like let these men see me courageous like it'll give them courage if they see me Mm -hmm. and she's like in her head she's like and who will give me courage Mm -hmm. exactly exactly (laughs) but she fakes it she's like yes go do your job and she smiles and sends him on his way, but she's still like, holy shit. Right. She keeps her, it says it, she keeps her, she kept her silence and made herself smile for him. <laughs> oh, so she, she, she's tough, man. Yeah. I would be like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would, I would, I don't know how I would be, but my kids doing that would freak me out. Anyway. I mean, forgot. yeah, it is like. I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, take me back to Winterfell with Brandon Rick on. I'll, I'll see when you get back. Can you come back too? That's how I'd be. Like, you don't need to be here at war. Come back home. <laughs> no one needs to be at war. Mm-hmm. Um, so like she hears stuff that's going on. Like, mm-hmm. um, she like it says in the quiet she could hear them. Far off, yet moving closer. The tread of many horses, the rattle of swords and spears and armor, the murmur of human voices with here a laugh and there a curse. Eon seemed to come and go. The sounds grew louder. She heard more laughter and shouted command, splashing as they crossed and recrossed the little stream. A horse snorted, a man swore, and then at last she saw him, only for an instant. Frame between the branches of the trees as she looked down at the valley floor, yet she knew it was him, even at the distance. Sir Jamie Lannister was unmistakable. The moonlight had silvered his armor and the gold of his hair and turned his crimson cloak to black. He was not wearing a helm. 
he was there and he was gone again, his silvery armor obscured by the trees once more. Others came behind him, long columns of them, knights and sworn swords and free riders, three quarters of the Lannister horse. He is no man for sitting in a tent while his carpenters build siege towers, Sir Brendan had promised. He has ridden out with his knights thrice already. So Brendan, Brendan Tully basically is wagering that Jamie Lannister is impatient. Mm-hmm. And because of his impatience and his arrogance, that they're gonna they're gonna beat the shit out of him. And mm-hmm. he's right. He's well both in this chapter, when I read the Tyrion chapter prior, even um Tywin admits it. There's yeah. several instances where Jamie is just essentially incredibly predictable. Yes. And they they play off of that. And what is interesting too, juxtaposed to that with Rob, is they don't know Rob, um, mm-hmm. Tywin. And he's when he's assuming what's going to happen at the Green Fork and he plays, you know, his game there, he assumes Rob's just this in moronic kid who doesn't know what he's doing and he's as impulsive as Jamie and as predictable as Jamie and he's not. He's and not. it's that's why I think the chapters together are so beautiful. But yeah, both Tywin and the Blackfish talk about Jamie's impulsiveness and yep. his predictability and yeah, they completely use it against him and they completely, they nail it. And even down to the detail of the lures, if you will, the, the raiders that go after it just have Tully flags mm-hmm. to really just seal the deal. <laughs> Jamie being like, let's go. So when I was just reading this, I just like, this is so tinfoil. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's some foreshadowing here that Jamie might either become a member of the Night's Watch or have something to do with the others or become like a other. It's it, it said he was there and he was gone again. His mm. sil- Wait, wait, no, no, not that part. The moonlight had silvered his armor and the gold of his hair and turned his crimson cloak to black. Mm. He was not wearing a helm. He was there and he was gone again. His silvery armor obscured by the trees once more. Others came behind him, long columns of them. Mm. Knights and sworn swords and free riders, three quarters of the Lannister horsemen. So uh, she's she's talking about other people. Mm -hmm. But when I hear others, and I know, like, I think that there's a strong possibility that Jamie and Brienne will fight the others and Jamie will die. So I'm wondering if Jamie will come back as a white or like a half white, like whatever cold hands is or something like that. That's interesting. And from this passage too, I didn't notice that when I was reading it, I didn't, that is a really interesting. And wouldn't that be both, horrifying and super cool at the same time yeah and Um, like the turning his cloak black mm -hmm. i mean so there's two ways like you could look at this you could look at it as is jamie lannister going to be a turn cloak where he turned cloaks against his family Mm -hmm. which he kind of does uh when it comes to cersei anyway as of now um he's burned the letter that she or as of not now because we're in a game of thrones Mm -hmm. but as of 
A Feast for Crows, A Dance with Dragons, like Jamie's burned the letter that Cersei wrote him asking for her help. Um, and he's been like the truest Cersei supporter. Um, and now he's like with Brienne and he's trying to kind of go get Sansa, who he thinks is Sansa, but he's going into Lady Stoneheart's cave. Or does, is it like, is his crimson cloak turning to black? Um like some Night's Watch, the Night's Watch. or something. That is super interesting to think of that. And you know what else I was, when I was reading this chapter and, and the surrounding details, because Jamie does so much off page in mm-hmm. the Riverlands in this book. Um, he's just wreaking havoc. And there's all kinds of battles that we never see or, or, or watch. But one of the things I thought was really interesting is, you know, Tywin at the beginning, and this is relevant to what you were talking about, but Tywin's, response to Tyrion being captured is, is immediate and he he sends Gregor out to the Riverlands to wreak havoc right in an, mm-hmm. effort, in an attempt to lure Ned out and capture him and because Jamie jumps Ned and his men in King's Landing and breaks his leg Ned sends Beric Dondarrion mm-hmm. out instead and so when I was re- when I was piecing it all together essentially because of Jamie um Doing that to Ned, Barrack being sent out, Barrack then ending up giving Catelyn um, the the kiss mm-hmm. of life. Really, if Jamie dies at the hand of Lady Stoneheart, it would be totally his fault because he really, there, Lady Stoneheart wouldn't exist if right. he had not messed up his dad's plan. And I think it's interesting how you just made that to me, whether that made sense to you or not. It, it there is this interesting circle there of this post afterlife connection to Jamie and what is it? Um, is it because of what I just called out or because of what you think could possibly happen or is it something else completely different? There's, it's definitely something. There's something really interesting about that. Yeah, that definitely. Right. But it is, it is funny that Jamie set off the whole chain of events <laughs> <laughs> that he's about to face. <laughs> <laughs> it's all on Jamie. If you would just, it, again, his impulsiveness. Right, yeah. his predictability and his impulsiveness essentially created Lady Stoneheart, and I'm grateful because I I adore Lady Stoneheart. I, I actually like Lady character. Stoneheart too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like her too. I like that she's like noose or sword. Like fuck <laughs> all of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and she hates fucking Jamie, man. I mean, I really she- hope she gets Sybil Spicer. Like, if she gets Sybil Spicer, I'll stand her. For the rest of my life. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll circle back when this next book comes out. <laughs> so um, one of the another interesting part of this chapter that I really liked um, was when Jamie's riders and and they fell into the trap. As soon as they do, Grey Wind throws back his head and like howls. Mm-hmm. And then it says the sound seemed to go right through Catelyn Stark. And she found herself shivering. It was a terrible sound, a frightening sound. Yet there was music in it too. For a second, she felt something like pity for the Lannisters below. So this is what death sounds like, she thought. But it's funny because she's thinking of Grey Wind's howl when she Mm -hmm. thinks this is what death sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because he's about, Grey Wind's about to tear the Lannisters to shreds which in this chapter I'm happy about yeah but it it also shows you like that Grey Wind 
and Rob have some kind of synergy because there's no way like this mm-hmm. wolf just knows that they went into a trap. Like a regular wolf, no. would they know that, oh, they, they're in the trap now? Like no. they wouldn't know <laughs> that. So it's, it's, you know, there's some kind of magical well, connection. You, know, you don't seem to get any inkling that Rob realizes he's got wargine abilities, but the most of them don't. Like Arya doesn't know she has it. She has wolf dreams and... John doesn't realize, but so you don't, Rob then obviously doesn't realize either, but he clearly has possibly, mm-hmm. possibly incredibly strong worrying abilities. And that just because they don't show it, we don't actually realize, which is why I would love one of those POV. I'd love to get in his head about some of those dreams, but he's for sure. You think he's almost like, war, maybe there's a, even in the intensity of, of battle, there's even kind of some connections or worrying going on there. Yeah, uh, for sure. Like I think so. And it's I think they're like one in the same. Yeah, it does feel that way um, from a distance. And it's also a second time Cat really references their howling as music. Yeah, she's she's very torn on whether it's good or bad. (laughs) These wolves. She gets to she gets she she gets to like the point where like she fucking loves Grey Wind, and she loves the dire wolves. Like mm-hmm. she knows that they're something more than what they're more than wolves. After that chapter, we did totally. And then she leaves Bran and Rickon really in the arm, in the hands of the wolves. Like she trusts them at Winterfell because of those wolves. Yes. Falsely. Right. But she really does turn on a dime and was like, these, these are, this is, they each have their own army. Yeah. It's, I mean, and they're still alive. They're still, wolves are still protecting them. So she was right. She was right to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we hear like all these, well, Catelyn hears <laughs> all these like war cries and shit. Like Winterfell, Lannister, Winterfell, Tully, River Run. And she hears like, um, she can't really see it because it's dark the like the moon is out but she can't really see it she like it's they're far they're far away from her she and she's mm-hmm. kind of like on a hill mm-hmm. looking down into like the a valley but she hears like swords and lances like it it's when you read it it's really like an immersive chapter i i mm-hmm. really like if you don't read, if you don't reread any other chapter, I feel like you should read this one. I would hundred percent agree with you. This is just, and it's it is short, like you said. And even when it says the whispering wood let out its breath all at once, when the bowmen let go of mm-hmm. their of their earth, and it's just you just feel it, and it's totally. And I would really actually emphasize reading the Tyrion chapter, read them back to back as they're as they're published because they're at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right, they're simultaneous evenings, nights, dawns where they happen, but so good. So this chapter is so good. <laughs> and the one of the my favorite parts is her hearing Grey Wind, like when Rob is like to me, to me, and Grey Wind's like shredding people, and she can <laughs> hear it. Like he's like snarling and growling and snapping his teeth and tearing flesh. And she hears shrieks of fear and pain from a man and horses. So, like, Grey Wind is out there putting in work for House mm-hmm. Stark. He deserves a medal. 
and to be on the banner. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, But basically they come back and like, Catelyn's all like, you're hurt. And Rob's like, you know, no, I'm not like, this is someone else's blood because (laughs) while Rob won this, like it still cost him a lot of men like uh, who uh, Torrin, um, Rickard Carstarks, one of his sons, or both of his both sons. Both of his sons, yeah. Which <laughs> is going to come into play. If you want to go there for a second, I looked at this. I looked at all the all the lost men in this chapter and the captured or killed men in the last at the Green Fork. Yes. And it, the dominoes that these two battles, that this evening knocks down all across the north, all the way into Dance with Dragons, is crazy. I've made a couple of, because... So Darren Hornwood, who's Alice Carstark's betrothed, she, mm-hmm. Alice lost both her brothers. Then her father ends up getting killed because he seeks vengeance on those deaths, right? Mm-hmm. So then Alice and um, what is his name? Harry, Harryan, mm-hmm. they're the heirs. And then her uncle tries to get Herring killed. And by pledging his allegiance to Stannis, so the Lannisters will kill him, so you can marry off Alice and steal like Carhold, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just, and then she ends up marrying the Thens. The Thens, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or into the Thens, yeah. It, it just again the the, the dominoes of the, the this evening, and how you know Danella Hornwood mm-hmm. and all that tragic, you know what Ramsay does to her because she loses you know, the, the air, the Hornwood airs and this evening as well. And it's anyway, it's interesting. And he does lose a, a, not just a lot of men, but the North loses a lot of their firstborns and their next heirs. And then they're just ripe for the picking with the Boltons just running roughshod all over the place. Yeah. Cause this I, evening. I think at the green fork, I think, one of Manderly's sons is taken. Yeah, Willis is taken. He gets Will. Willis comes back. Um, it's I think it is Willis, right? And then mm-hmm. it's here. It is to here. Um, yeah, Hallis Hornwood, Medgar Serwin, Willis Manderly, Harry and Carstark, and Four Fraser captured at the Green Fork. Right, um, which is the same night this and then um yeah the car starts and then darren hornwood are key key losses when we when i did the uh Tyrion, the green fork the chapter that we just did we talked about um the possibility that bruce bolton had lord hornwood killed on purpose mm-hmm. to so ramsey could get danella hornwood <laughs> but then least- the chaos is a ladder theory. At least yeah. just, just put, pick people off and then they could make those moves, right? Yep, yep. A hundred percent. I've heard a few other people um, with the sa- similar things that they, that, that Ramsey, I'm sorry, not Ramsey, but Roos, maybe, I mean, you know, he was at risk as well, of course, going into the Green Fork, but that there was some, ca- like he caused some casualties deliberately. Yeah. And I, 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 like it is my belief that Bruce never liked Rob, and of course, there's always been like some Stark Bolton 
animosity but i i wonder like did Roos was Roos kind of like fuck rob stark he sent me here to die like he knows this small he knows we're gonna get swamped on the green fork like he knows we're gonna likely die like he like Roos barely escapes right and then what happened yeah it's so there's a lot of cool theories out there too about how the red wedding came about and you know what alliances were made and who did Roos come come across in the in the next weeks or so but Roos is no good and he was up to no good long before the red wedding for sure but I you know I I I would love I would love more insight on that as I do think he sacrificed some people for sure I agree with that theory yes so um Jamie Lannister they throw him down there like we got the Kingslayer and he's, of course, talking shit as he usually does. He's not going to be humble about it. Like, he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, um, I would offer you my sword, but I misplaced it. And she's like, I don't want your sword. I want my husband and my father and my brother. And he's like, I misplaced them, too. <laughs> and they're like, she basically says to put him in irons. And um, Rob is like, yeah, whatever my mother says. And then... um. Rob is kind of like fucked up about it. Like how many men they lost to, to yeah. get, to get Jamie. I, I mean, has he ever seen death like that in his life until that moment? No. I no mean, way. this was his first battle and he's 15 or there's no way he saw anything like that. And these men protecting him. So mm-hmm. his guilt, you know, is, that's a lot for a kid you know you're trying to get your dad back that's just it's just a lot and in this theon just i mean does theon just come off as like such a high school senior (laughs) from like a john hughes movie he's like this bad like kill him he's just such a (laughs) in these chapters and he's also like his story is actually so fascinating because the reek and then wherever he is now like whatever his identity is to himself even today in you know the 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 winds chapter but he's just so unlikable and he's not smart about anything he does but he is brave you know i mean but he's just a ding dong but anyway i i get such a kick out of Theon yeah. just reminds me of like a bad guy in an 80s movie for sure. When Rob is like, or Rob's like, we've won a battle, not a war. And Theon's like, but such a battle. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing like, but since of what, the field of fire or something? Yeah, like, yeah, right. How do you even know? There's no dragons. It's nothing like the field of fire. Go to your room. The nothing. Uh, like there were 10,000 <laughs> Lannister men and 10,000. Like the field of fire is like one of the biggest battles in Westeros cut it out there were dragons for god's sakes no but I Jamie it this chapter shows how much of a beast Jamie Lannister is with his sword like mm-hmm. he basically knew that he lost and he was trying to cut his way through Rob Stark's men to get to him to get to totally. Rob totally and he, and, you know, and he almost did it <laughs> he almost did it and you know what it exactly reminded me of it's what they, I, I, not to bring the show into it, because obviously the show hasn't, there's, they don't even show this there, but when he picks up the lance and goes after Drogon and Danny in Spoils of War, mm-hmm. um, it was to me the same thing. He was willing to sacrifice himself because he's like, if I take her out, the war's done. 
And he's like, if I take Rob out, this war is done, even if I lose. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, they were very like they took that and, and I, I could be giving them too much credit, but they are pretty parallel. And they they actually applied that thinking and that character persona of Jamie and put it into the show in that sense, because they were identical. Yeah. Um, he was like super willing to die. He was. Um, yeah. And he's a boss. he's a boss i'm sorry with the sword like people have asked me so many times like who's the best swordsman in the story it's jamie it's jamie in the whispering woods like these people that he's cutting through to Mm -hmm. get to rob these aren't like people that just picked up a sword today and are going off to war. These are the first sons and second sons of lords of, of great, like Rickard Carstark. Uh, the mm. car, the car hold is a, is a great house of West Rose. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a great house in the North, I guess. Sure. Would it be a great house. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. Either. A great how I don't know how I think, do you define great. Or how does it, the story define great? I'm not sure. So let's just say they are they are a lord uh th- these are lord sons that are trained in a castle by a master at arms and Jamie's cutting through them like cheese. Yeah. Kills them all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um basically Catelyn Stark is like, well, you don't have Lord. Tywin so until you have Lord Tywin this war is far from done and Rob raises his head pushes his hair back out of his eyes my mother is right we still have River Run Mm -hmm. so that is the chapter and Mm -hmm. it's one of the it's I kind of went like because the Tyrion chapter the Tyrion chapter is like our first taste of battle and that's the Lannister side. So we're still getting the first taste of battle, but from the Stark POV. Mm-hmm. And I love this chapter. And did you have anything you wanted to add before we wrap it up? No, I just think in just in wrapping it up from my perspective is I love the way George wove these two together, these chapters and these two battles and juxtaposed them. And when you look at, you know, we already talked about how Tyr- you know, Tywin just doesn't really seem to care about Tyrion <laughs> and sets him up for failure. But even at the end, both Tyrion and Rob come back to their parents in the same fashion, both with blood. And the first thing Catelyn asks is, are you hurt? And it's the absolute last thing that Tywin asks of Tyrion. Yeah. Tyr- um, t- Tyrion's kind of like I'm okay. (laughs) She wondered. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's like the whole chapter. Like Tywin's whole battle plan is basically to get Tyrion killed. Like he's supposed to be on that that flank, that left side that they want him to push in. Mm -hmm. So they basically he wants Tyrion to get pushed into the river, and Catelyn's whole time she's praying for her son to make it out alive. So you see, like the difference, total difference. You know, he puts. Tyrion in harm's way and Catelyn's like I don't need more than 10 guards they all need to go with you and they're just it's just I I just think he's you know we're so obsessed obviously you you know more more many people smarter than others about the analysis but there we're obsessed with these stories but it's this it's this writing that makes it all it's so easy to find all these little nuggets and all these little parallels 
right next to each other. And when I first read it, I don't even think I realized they were at the same time. I just yeah. read it and I'm like, this is reading a book. Well, and then you go back and you're like, man, this is just genius. Um, and anyway, so my, my, my closing remarks were really just about George's genius and, and bringing the battles to life in this way um, for us to see it and to really, you know, give us this false hope <laughs> for Rob yeah. Stark being like, like this triumphant, um, you know, battle command. Uh, classic George, he built them up to really knock them down. Really make us cry. <laughs> and, and cry inside. But I, uh, yeah, anyway, no, um, I think it's great. I love the chapter. I definitely think everyone should go read it. And thanks for having me. Oh, back. thank you for coming. And if you guys listening would like to do a chapter of the Obsidianites podcast with me, all you have to do is contact Nimshadow on Instagram or Twitter, and we could set that up for you. And I will talk to you guys later. Have a good day. Bye.